Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's twice weekly leadership podcast on leadership with Scott Miller. That's me. I'm your host for now what is going on, gosh, six plus years of weekly podcast where about four to five months ago, we decided to double down and feature two episodes a week, taking Franklin Covey's metaphorical and literal spotlight and placing it on people worldwide that we think have a valuable contribution to this topic that Franklin Covey is so passionate about, leadership. We view ourselves as the most trusted leadership firm in the world and love to collaborate, at least in this 35-minute, twice-an-episode-a-week podcast, to talk about how to make you a better leader. All of us define that differently. Sometimes it's leading in a Fortune 50 company. Perhaps you are a military or government leader. Maybe you are an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, or solopreneur, and you're leading yourself or your firm. Or perhaps some of you are leaders only, but very importantly, in your household. Each week, we have different conversations with best-selling thought leaders and business titans and people who've dedicated their lives to researching topics to make you also a better leader, which is just today's case. Our guest is the acclaimed author Jacob Morgan. His newest book is titled Leading with Vulnerability. Unlock your greatest superpower to transform yourself, your team, and your organization. Jacob, welcome to On Leadership. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. I have thoroughly enjoyed your book. This is a topic that has been near and dear to my heart for many years. It's something I've written about myself extensively. You, however, have deeply researched the topic. I just practice it, and there's a difference between the two of those. And today, in the next 30 minutes, we're going to bring those two topics together. Um, This is not your first book. I'd love for you to take a few minutes to maybe rewind and reorient our listeners and viewers to your own journey as an entrepreneur, as a father, a spouse, and now a best-selling author on this book, Leading with Vulnerability. Sure. Um, I got into this space really just because I had bad jobs working for other people. Uh, I was always a terrible student. And when I went to the University of California, Santa Cruz, I realized it was my last chance to get good grades. So I double majored in economics and psychology, graduated, took a job in downtown LA, and I was promised I'd be doing all these really amazing and wonderful things. Uh, long story short, I'm doing that job for a couple months, doing data entry, cold calling, PowerPoint presentations, and then one day uh, the CEO comes out of his beautiful office, tells me he's got a really, really important project for me. Uh, Naturally, I get super excited. I go over to him and he gives me $10 and says, I'm late for Starbucks. I need, or I'm late for a meeting. I need you to go to Starbucks and get me a cup of coffee. Uh, And that was one of the last full-time jobs I ever had working for anybody else. And since then, I've just been passionate about how do we create organizations where people actually want to show up? How do we create great leaders, engaged employees, and future-ready organizations been writing, speaking, creating content ever since. It's been around uh, 15 years. As you mentioned, this is the fifth book. I have written books on the future of work, employee experience, and uh, leadership. Did you get the cup of coffee? You know, I did get the cup of coffee. And uh, I was cursing every second as I was walking to that Starbucks. Um, So not a fun time. How much longer did you work in that organization after your coffee run? You know, I think it was maybe a month or two, but I'll never forget, as soon as I got back to my office, I started Googling how to make money for yourself. 
how to not work for anybody else. And I started learning about affiliate marketing and search engine optimization and building websites. And this is before uh, the days of social media, right? Becoming as mainstream as they are now. So that really took me on this entrepreneurial journey of trying to build and create something for myself. And it's all because of that cup of coffee, which I suppose looking back, I should be grateful for. Uh, Jacob, why did you culminate this book around the topic of vulnerability? Not a new topic. We use this term quite ubiquitously. Yes. Not all of us employ it in our daily behaviors and mindsets. Why was this your focus for this book? Well, I think there's a big difference between vulnerability and leading with vulnerability. And so the the whole idea, or I'd say one of the, the seeds for this book came from the previous book, which I wrote called The Future Leader. And as I interviewed a lot of CEOs for that, they also talked about vulnerability and things like emotional intelligence and why it was so important. And as I started doing research for the new book, I started talking to, again, more CEOs and they proposed or they, they, they posed very interesting challenges when it came to vulnerability. Um, and one of them was, on the one hand, these leaders were telling me that their employees wanted them to be confident, strong, visionary, knowing that they could chart a successful path forward. But on the other hand, these employees wanted their leaders to talk about their feelings, their challenges, their emotions, their struggles. And so these CEOs I was interviewing were saying, wait a minute, how do I reconcile for these two seemingly opposing perspectives? I'm supposed to be strong and competent, but you also want me to talk about my failures and challenges? I don't get it. Um, the second thing was that you're right. Vulnerability has been talked about a lot. Brene Brown, uh, Brene Brown obviously pioneered uh, the research in this field. But what also became very abundantly clear is that while we know what it feels like to be vulnerable and while we understand the value of vulnerability in our personal lives to connect with friends and with family members, we forget to acknowledge that inside of our organizations, it's a different dynamic. And so I started to wonder, is vulnerability just as applicable? Can you just take the same concept that you have in your personal life and apply it to work? And you realize that you can't. Because inside, inside of a company, you have hierarchy, you have a boss, you have customers, you have deadlines, you have employees, you have money. It's a very different um, environment. And going deeper, what if you're a leader? You're now responsible for the team. You're responsible for the money. Is vulnerability for you the same as it is for everybody else? And it became very abundantly clear that it's not. And I can illustrate a, a couple of stories for you if you want. No. I'm kidding. Yes, of course I do. You, uh, as preparing for this book, uh, embarked on what is arguably the most comprehensive research study around vulnerability in the workplace. You interviewed over 100 CEOs from a broad array of industries, asking CEOs some of the following questions. What does it mean being a vulnerable leader? What does vulnerability feel like in your body? What makes you most vulnerable and why? What's the impact of being a vulnerable leader? Can you be too vulnerable? And so I'd love to have you address in those stories you offered to share earlier, what did you hear back from these CEOs? Sure. Um, so we can go through all of those questions if you want. But let me give one sort of or, or two stories that really, I think, highlight the difference between vulnerability versus leading with vulnerability just to kind of conceptualize and, and crystallize what the difference is. So one of the stories, and it's at the beginning of the book, it comes from Hollis Harris. And he was the former CEO of Continental Airlines. And in the 90s, uh, late 80s, the airline was struggling and he was asked to write a memo addressing his entire workforce. And so he did. 
And in his memo, he talked about the challenges that the company was going through. He addressed the fact that he wasn't sure exactly how to get the company out of these challenges and struggles. And he ended his memo by saying, the best thing that you can do as an employee is to pray for the future of the company. The next day, Hollis Harris was fired. Now, if Hollis was a junior employee, he was in accounting, he was in marketing, and he came into work with that same type of message, somebody would say, ah, oh, Hollis, it, you know, take the day off, let's go grab lunch, you'll be fine. But as a leader of the organization, when you say something like that, it causes chaos. Now, this story was told to me by Doug Parker, the former uh, chairman and CEO of American Airlines. Now, what Hollis Harris did was very vulnerable. There's no question about that. He shared or did something which exposed himself emotionally to the point where other people could use it to harm him if they wanted to, right? That's what vulnerability is, leading with vulnerability. So another CEO I interviewed, Fleetwood Grobler. He's the CEO of a company called Sassel, a South African energy company. They have around 30,000 employees. When he took over as CEO, the company was $13 billion in debt. The banks were about to come in and repossess everything. He too had to address his workforce. But the message that he gave was very different. And he told his employees, I acknowledge and I understand that the company is going through a tough time. There's no hiding that. Um, I'm also not sure the exact path that we need to take to get out of this mess. But I have a vision of where we can go. I have a vision of what our business can become. We have an amazing group of team members and employees. And I know that if we work together, that we can turn the business around, we can rebuild trust in the eyes of our customers and in, in, in our employees, and that if you work with me and help me figure out this path forward, we will be successful. And that's exactly what they did. Fleetwood was vulnerable, but he also added leadership. So a simple way to think about this, and this is something we've all experienced, right? And even as, as a first-time leader, this is applicable too. Let's say I'm working for you. You give me a project. You give me something to do. I mess it up. Being vulnerable is me coming to you and saying, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I really messed this up. I, I, I screwed up. I'm sorry. That's vulnerable. Leading with vulnerability would be, I know you gave me this project. I'm really sorry I messed it up. But here's what I learned from the mistake that I made. And here are three things that I'm going to do going forward to make sure that that mistake doesn't happen again. So leading with vulnerability is about leadership and vulnerability, competence and connection, bringing both those two things together. And oftentimes we forget to bring in the leadership piece. We ask for help and that's it. We stop. We say we made a mistake and we stop. But we forget that inside of a work environment, what your team members, what your leaders, what those around you want to know is that you're doing something to close the gap. You're doing something to get better, to learn, to grow, to become more competent. It's not enough to just say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. So that's the key difference between being vulnerable versus leading with vulnerability. Jacob, I think that one of the reasons a lot of people aren't comfortable being a vulnerable leader is because we think others will weaponize it against us. We all have detractors, we have champions. Have you found that in your research that there's a hesitancy because people know that they have detractors and if you are vulnerable about your own competence or your own past history, someone is going to try to use it to take you down? So when we asked 14,000 employees, what's the number one reason why you are not vulnerable at work? The number one reason by far was I don't want to be perceived 
as being weak or incompetent. And so the question becomes, how do you avoid being perceived as being weak or incompetent? It's be you add the leadership piece, right? I mean, obviously, if you show up to work every day and you just say, I made a mistake, I'm sorry, uh, I'm going through a tough time, I don't know how to do this. Yeah, you're going to get the perception that you're being weak or incompetent. But if you show up to work every day and saying, you know what, I made a mistake, here's what I learned. I need help, here's what I'm going to do in the future to make sure I can figure out the problem myself. You create that perception of competence. One of the CEOs I interviewed, Steve Bilt, he's the CEO of Smile Brands. He gave me a great analogy for this, which I love. He said, if you show up to sixth grade asking about fourth grade math, eventually the teacher and all the students around you are going to look at you and they're going to say, hey, this is sixth grade and you're asking about fourth grade math. But similarly, if you take that same situation, you're in sixth grade asking about fourth grade math, but now you have a tutor. Now you're staying after school later to get help from the teacher. Now, instead of solving five, uh, five problems for your homework assignments, you're solving 10. In other words, you're demonstrating that you're trying to close the gap. And we have to remember the relationship. Like, why do we work for an organization? Like, if you take it, take a big step back forward, we remember that the relationship between an employee and an organization is very basic and very simple. A company needs help. They're looking to fill a role. And you are able to fill that role because you have a certain set of skills and attributes that you can bring to the table. And so the company hires you and brings you in. If that happens, and now all of a sudden you show up to work and you keep talking about your mistakes, your challenges, your failures, your struggles without demonstrating the leadership, then all of a sudden the company is going to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We hired you because you said you could do this. We hired you because you're supposed to be good at this. But now you just keep talking about the reasons why you can't do it, why you're not good at it. Maybe this isn't a good fit. So demonstrating the leadership piece is crucial. Now, getting back to your original question around will vulnerability be used against you? I can promise you, yes. At some point in your life, vulnerability will be used against you. But that's, that's how it always is, right? I mean, at some point, you're going to be turned down when you ask somebody out for a date. At some point, you will be turned down when you ask to get promoted, when you ask for more money, when you go apply for a job for the first time. The same thing is with vulnerability. At some point, somebody will use it against you. But not nearly as often as you think. So in the book, I interviewed a lot of researchers and psychologists who did trust games. And in a lot of the trust games, and I won't go through the details of the trust games, but what they found is that on average, um, you are likely to trust somebody 50-50, flip of a coin. In other words, there's not a lot, like it's, it's completely random. But the truth is that you can trust people around 80% of the time. So there is a 30% gap between how trustworthy you think somebody else is versus how trustworthy that person actually is. So you will get burned at some point, but it's not going to happen nearly as often as you think. Jacob, I'm guessing there is a lot of responsibility for vulnerable leaders to create cultures where their teams feel comfortable being vulnerable. Our yes. co-founder, Dr. Covey, said many wise things, including this concept of be a light, not a judge, be a model, not a critic. It's why not everybody should be a leader of people because being a yeah. leader means you have to model all the behaviors you want to see in those who work with you. Would you remind all the listeners and viewers that are, in fact, leaders of people what their responsibility is when it comes to creating a culture where those who work with and for them feel comfortable being vulnerable? Yeah, you lead by example. 
Um, the previous book that I wrote, The Future Leader, the cover of that book was a lighthouse. And the thing that I, I always tell leaders when I'm giving talks is that a lighthouse without ships in the water is useless. So it doesn't matter how much you try to build yourself up to become this big, bright, amazing lighthouse. If you're not guiding those around you, then what's the point of being that lighthouse? So absolutely. Um, and the cover of the book that you have in front of you now is somebody climbing a mountain. And that's very purposeful because I acknowledge and a lot of people would acknowledge and respect the fact that vulnerability is hard. It's not meant to be easy. And there is a framework in the book called the vulnerability mountain. And the whole idea is that as you begin to climb the mountain, the first few steps that you take are probably going to be pretty easy. But the higher up the mountain you go, the harder it becomes. But at the same time, the more people you meet on the journey, the more beautiful the vistas become, the farther out you can see, the more clarity you get. And so as a leader, your job is to start climbing that mountain first. And as you climb that vulnerability mountain, those around you are going to say, hey, wait a minute, Jacob's on that mountain. It's okay for me to climb it as well. So you have to lead by example. You can't just go to your employees and say, hey, I need you to be vulnerable today. Because people are going to look at you and they're going to think you're nuts. In fact, uh, one of the stories in the book, um, and I, I can't remember which, which CEO it was, uh, but he shared this story with me how early on in his career, before he was CEO, he worked for a, a different CEO. And this CEO was a really tough boss, right? Um, he, was, he was described as a hard-nosed bo hard boss, the type of leader that's you know, willing to kick your teeth in. And so he, he worked for this type of a CEO. And one day, this hard-nosed boss, he calls everybody into the office, and he gathers them around. And he starts playing a Bette Midler song, The Wind Beneath My Wings. And so the CEO gathered his direct reports. I don't know he this starts... song. Could you like sing a few tunes of it for us? Do you have a couple of tunes? You are the wind beneath my wings. Oh, now I've got it. Yes, thank you. Keep it's going. Only time thank I've you. ever sung on camera. It's how is that? How is that for a demonstration of being a vulnerable guest? Nicely done. Keep you going. Know what? I'm not going to be going on America's Got Talent anytime soon, but I'll, uh, we'll go with it. You're likable. Um, Keep going. Yeah, so all these direct reports are gathered around this CEO who's playing the wind beneath my wings. And the CEO is all of a sudden saying, oh, you guys all mean so much to me. And I can't do this without you. And the employees are all looking at each other like, this, this guy just had a stroke. They're like, what's going on here? Um, you're the CEO who comes in screaming at all of us, yelling at all of us, like ready to knock us out. And now today you're showing up talking about where the wind beneath your wings and that we mean so much to you. And it was so out of character that his employees were like, you know what? We, we prefer the other guy. We prefer the hard nosed guy. At least we know where we stand with him. So it goes to show that it's not about just flipping a switch and showing up tomorrow and like hugging everyone and saying how much you mean to me. It is a journey. It is a mountain that you are going to climb. Now, one thing that I, I want to stress that's important. I mean, hopefully the distinction between vulnerability and leading with vulnerability came across, but there's a little bit of a catch. So one of the concepts in the book is something called the pratfall effect. And this was developed by a psychologist named Elliot Aronson, who actually taught uh, at UC Santa Cruz before I got to school there. And the pratfall effect basically is this idea that if you are competent, like you're good at your job, and you're vulnerable, that vulnerability gives you that added bump. Because people look at you and they say, oh, wow, Jacob's really good at his job. Now he's vulnerable. Oh, he's more human. Now, oh, he's really good at his job. So you get that bump. But you have to be good at your job. Similarly, if you're not good at your job, you're mediocre, and you're vulnerable, 
that vulnerability can reinforce your mediocrity. So the whole point of this is that there's no substitute for being good at your job. And it means that you need to keep demonstrating that you are trying to create that competence. You are trying to get better. That's a very, very important thing for people to remember. Vulnerability plus leadership. Don't just emphasize the vulnerability piece. We are so tagging Bette Midler in this podcast post. Okay. You know what? Maybe she'll repost it. It's very, you, you, you could hope. Uh, I want to spend the last 10 minutes of our time with a speed round. You identify eight attributes of a vulnerable leader in the book, and I want to spend one minute on each. I don't okay. have a buzzer, but I want one minute on each, and I'm going to lead the conversation. Okay. The first attribute of a leader, self-awareness. Understand yes. your thoughts, behaviors, and emotions and how they affect you and those around you. Riff. Yeah, I mean, self-awareness. How can you be vulnerable and open yourself up and share things if you don't know how what you're sharing is perceived by others? If you don't know your own strengths, your own weaknesses, the thing that zap your energy or motivate you, it becomes very hard to open up to people. So self-awareness is, I think, a very important aspect of uh, of one of these eight attributes. And the way to think about these eight attributes, if anybody's ever seen those Marvel movies, right, uh, Avengers, you bring those infinity stones together and they unleash this tremendous power, that's what these eight attributes are. You bring them together and they help unleash this power of leading with vulnerability, starting with self-awareness. I would argue it's the most valuable because you can't possibly yeah. be vulnerable if you don't have a level of un of self-awareness that's not higher than what you possess right now. Nice job following yeah. the rules, speed round. Number two of the eight attributes of a vulnerable leader you call self-compassion. In yes. essence, be kind to yourself. Yes, um, this was something I learned from Dr. Anna Bruck, one of the professors, one of the researchers that I interviewed. And the whole concept here is, if you're vulnerable with somebody and it doesn't go well, it gets used against you in some way, if you don't have self-compassion, what you're going to do is you're going to say to yourself, oh, you're such an idiot. You're such a moron. How could you do this? I'm never going to be vulnerable again. If you have self-compassion, you're going to say, you know what? It's okay. You tried to open yourself up. It got used against you. What did you learn? What did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about the other person? What did you learn about the situation? It's okay. You can do it again next time. Just think about the lessons that you learned. So if you don't have that self-compassion, you're going to beat yourself up and you're gonna close yourself off and you will never, ever lead with vulnerability. Nicely said. Third attribute, and these aren't necessarily in this order, you call empathy. See things yes. from other people's perspective. We hear so much about empathy, so many books and podcasts and TV programs and Netflix specials and keynote speeches. <laughs> what do you think empathy is? Yeah, and you can actually have too much empathy, which uh, you know we can talk about too. But empathy... Um, it's simply seeing things from somebody else's perspective. And I can give you a short story. I gave a talk to two financial institutions, and this will demonstrate exactly what empathy is. Uh, before giving talks, I like to text with my wife, give her a call, and she says, you know, good luck, have a good time, you know, stuff like that. One financial institution, I'm giving a talk, I see one of the top executives there. An employee walks over to this top, uh, top executive and says, hey, can I talk to you for a couple minutes? This top executive is looking at his phone. He puts his phone down and says, sure, what's up? And the employee talks about some challenges and struggles and issues. And the executive look, looks at this employee and says, you know what? I'm sorry you're having a hard time. I'm sure you're going to be just fine. Goes back to his emails. A couple of weeks, speaking at another financial institution, 
Same scenario. I'm getting ready to go on stage. Top executive sitting not far away from me. New employee walks up to this top executive. Uh, employee talks about challenges. I'm having a hard time. I'm, I, I'm not sure I have a good relationship with my manager. I don't know if I belong here. Um, uh, the top executive, again, puts the phone down, says, have a seat. They start talking for a little bit, and the top executive says, you know what? I know exactly how you feel. I felt that same way when I started working here, and here's what I did. They talked for a few minutes, and the conversation ended with, my door is always open because I know what it's like to be in your shoes. That's the difference between sympathy of saying I'm sorry and empathy of I know how you feel. I've been there. Here's what I did, and here's what you can do as well. The eight attributes of vulnerable leaders. Next, you call authenticity. Be a single <clears throat> This, I thought this was, was pretty profound. Be a single, genuine version of yourself. How do you do that? Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you think about most of us who work in uh, organizations, we kind of live like James Bond, right? You have one persona where you show up at work. You have another persona where you show up at home. Uh, this was actually exemplified in a recent Apple show called uh, Severance, where the, the character... He goes to work and he goes through this machine where his personal memories are erased. He does his job. And then as he's going home, back in the elevator, his work memories are erased. And now he's his personal version of himself. And so this is challenging because oftentimes we have these two different versions of ourselves. So being authentic means how do you consolidate that into being a single version of yourself? It's okay to talk about your passions, your challenges, your struggles, things like that. You don't need to put on this fake persona of being a character that you are not. And so for me, authenticity is being that single version of you. It's not the same thing as vulnerability, because if you look at somebody like a Jack Welsh or a Steve Ballmer, they were authentic. They had no problem cursing you out, throwing something across the table. Were they vulnerable? Absolutely not. So authenticity, how do you be that single version of you? The eight attributes of vulnerable leaders, self-awareness, self-compassion, empathy, authenticity. Next is integrity. Your tagline yes. is be a moral and honest person with a clear set of personal values that guide how you behave. Integrity is crucial, right? I mean, what's your North Star? Um, that's really, to me, what integrity means. If you do not have a North Star, you're floating all over the place or you've corrupted North Star, then it, it, seemed, it, it will break down a lot of those other attributes. You can't lead with vulnerability and create that connection and relationship with people if you don't know what your values are, what your North Star is, what you stand for. If you don't know those things, how do you know what to be vulnerable about? How do you know what to share? How do you know what not to share? So that integ uh, integrity piece is important as, as, as a lodestone to guide you when it comes to being vulnerable at work. Final three, motivation, self-confidence, and competence. <clears throat> Talk to motivation. Have the drive to take action and improve. Motivation is exactly that. It's the drive to actually get better. It's the drive to become more competent. For example, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm sorry I made a mistake. Here's what I learned. And here are the three things that I'm going to do next time to make sure that mistake doesn't happen again. Motivation is what actually gets you to do those three things next time so that you don't have a mistake. It's something that is, again, it's your drive. It's your force. It's what is getting you to close that gap to get better. If you don't have that motivation, then oftentimes what happens is you, you're talking, but you're not doing. And that, as we know, inside of an organization is never a very good thing. Uh, the next one is self-confidence. <clears throat> 
self-confidence, again, uh, very related to leading with vulnerability. It's about believing in yourself, right? Positive self-talk, um, knowing that you can overcome challenges, that you can overcome obstacles, that you can do hard things. Because again, leading with vulnerability is hard. Climbing the mountain is hard. Dealing with situations when somebody will use your vulnerability against you is hard. So if you don't have that self-confidence, it's going to be very hard for you to climb that mountain. It's going to be very hard for you to have that initiative. It's going to be very hard for you to deal with difficult things when they come your way. So it's a very, very important aspect of leading with vulnerability. You know, next to self-awareness in the list, I think my second one that I like the most here is this idea of competence. The eighth, if you will, is competence. Because there's no question, the more competent you are, the higher your self-confidence is, the stronger your yes. motivation is, the easier it is to have strong integrity, and the more self-aware you are. You, the, the correlation between self-awareness, vulnerability, and competence is extraordinarily tight. Talk about the value that competence plays in your willingness to be a vulnerable leader. This is a huge one. This is where the leadership component largely sits being good at your job, competence. We don't talk about this enough. We oftentimes inside of our organizations, I hate to say it, use vulnerability as a reason for uh, why we're not able to perform. We use it as a crutch for poor performance. So there is no substitute for competence. Being good at your job, demonstrating that you are trying to get good at your job. I mean, think about a situation of a first time leader, right? You're a first time leader, you get promoted, and you show up to work and think about, and I, I've heard many first-time leaders give this message. Hey, I'm a first-time leader here. I've never done this before, but I'm so excited to be leading this team. And I'm, I'm, I, I think we're going to have a great relationship here. And I'm so excited. If, if I'm an employee and that's the message I get from a first-time leader, my reaction is going to be, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I don't feel very confident in, <laughs> in your abilities to guide this team. However, Leading with vulnerability in that same situation. Bring competence. Even if you don't have that competence yet, demonstrate that you're working on it. Again, first-time leader. Hey, I'm excited to be leading this team. I've never done this before. But to make sure that I'm going to be the best leader that you've ever had, I'm actually getting mentored by another leader at this company. I've hired an executive coach who's going to be guiding me. I've signed up for these two or three leadership courses. And these are like five books that I'm reading. And my door is going to always be open for you so that we can work together so that I can be the best leader you've ever had. That, all of a sudden, has that level of leadership, of competence, where you might say, you know what? I know you haven't done this before, but you're clearly demonstrating that you are getting there, that you're learning, growing, and developing that competence that is so, so crucial in any role and in any function, in any organization. I cannot stress that enough. You may have just answered this question, but I want to end with some advice. A few minutes ago, you shared the story about the Jekyll and Hyde CEO that either had just gone to a leadership intervention or had some therapy or... You never know. It could have been know, therapy. That's okay. There's that, that. We all need that for sure. Uh, I want you to send our listeners and viewers off with some actionable advice. They've read your book or they've just now ordered your book on Amazon or their favorite book retailer, and they're starting to get into it. There's no question. You make a solid case for the value of leading with vulnerability. But so that someone doesn't become the Jekyll and Hyde, right? They went off to get fixed yeah. and they came back and they seem incongruent with what they are known to be. What are some tips you might give, other than that beautiful statement you mentioned about, I'm reading this and I'm studying that, 
what's the best way for someone who understands the value, it may have been incongruent with their brand here to now, what's the best way to ease into this, but to make some noticeable changes in your brand without being thought of as a fraud? Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be thought of as a fraud. Um, so there are a couple of things that I think are most crucial for people to remember. Number one, if there's just one thing that I, I hope people take away from this, leadership plus vulnerability equals leading with vulnerability. In the interactions that you have, in the engagements that you have, the conversations that you have, when you know that vulnerability is going to be present, try your best to also bring leadership to the equation. I can promise you, not only will this help your career, as far as the perception that, that other people will have of you, but it will also help your teams. It will help those around you as well. So that's number one, is identify and remember to bring in that vulnerable leader equation. Second thing is we talked about this concept of the vulnerability mountain. So going one step further, what I always encourage people to do is to identify what's at base camp for you and what's at the peak. What's something that you can do tomorrow that's easy, that's comfortable, something that you can open yourself up and, and create those relationships with people that's not that hard? Um, so for example, um, Penny Pennington, she's the CEO of Edward Jones. She told me that vulnerability was very, very uncomfortable for her. And so one of the things that she would do, she called this keeping an ace in her sleeve. She knew that when she would be getting in the elevator with employees, it was very uncomfortable for her to create that connection and that relationship. So she would know in advance, getting into an elevator, what she wanted to talk about. And she would start very small. What did I do over the weekend? Share something a little bit about my family. Okay, have a great day. Just something tiny that she could create a little bit of rapport and a little bit of relationships with people. So again, you can keep that ace in your sleeve and figure out what that's going to be. Plan it a little bit. So identify what's base camp for you and identify what's at the peak. What's the hardest the scariest thing that you can't imagine doing inside of your organization or connecting with people. Once you know what the base is and once you know what the peak is, the next step is to start climbing that mountain. So do things on a regular basis every day where you take steps to get to that peak. Another thing that's very important, and this is part of a separate framework, I won't go through the whole thing, but I just want to touch on the center part of the framework. It's uh, I call it the vulnerability wheel. And it's a ripple. So you have uh, several concentric circles. But at the center of that concentric circle is the most important thing, and that is intention. It's understanding why. Why is it that you are wanting to be vulnerable? Uh, why are you trying to do or share something that's going to expose yourself to the potential of emotional harm? Is it to just create a bond with somebody? Is it to have a better relationship? Is it to, cre to create a culture of innovation? Whatever it is, you have to know what the intention is. Because if you don't, then it just kind of, you know, becomes like a group therapy session, which you know, doesn't really make sense inside of an organization. So understand the intention. I think that's a very, very central theme for leading with vulnerability. And again, it could be anything. Like, I want to create that rapport. I want to create that relationship. I want to be able to generate new ideas. I want to be able to drive, again, whatever it is, know what that intention is. I think those are probably some very effective uh, starting points for people to go with. Jacob, you are insanely well-spoken, incredible. You're the host of the popular podcast, Great Leadership with Jacob Morgan. I thought I knew everybody, but listen to this list of endorsers for your book. Adam Grant. 
Marshall Goldsmith, Seth Godin, Amy Edmondson, Patrick Lencioni, Mel Robbins, and it goes on and on and on. You are a renowned keynote speaker, international best-selling author, and I understand also a professionally trained futurist. What does that mean? Yeah, a lot of people have futurists written in their LinkedIn profiles, uh, and, and sometimes it drives me a little nuts. But believe it or not, there are actually master's degrees and there are professional certifications that you can get in the field of foresight. And really what this is, it's a series of frameworks and models and tools that you're taught that help you think about the future, not predict the future, but help make sure that you're not surprised by what the future might bring. And so my professional certification came from the University of Houston. They have a great foresight program, and that is where I got this certification. And again, it just teaches you models and frameworks and concepts that help you think through certain scenarios or possibilities. And it's been very helpful and instrumental in my career just personally and when I'm working with various organizations as well. Jacob, I know you to be a very abundant person. You have everyone's attention now. In addition to your book, Leading with Vulnerability, who's not interested in becoming more prepared to tackle and meet the future? Are there any other resources you've come across that a very busy person who can't get a graduate degree or a certificate from a university, are there any other books or podcasts or resources you've uncovered or used that could make someone a better futurist? Honestly, I think the best thing is to talk to people. It's one of the reasons why I started my podcast um, is because I wanted to talk to people. Of course, there are a lot of great business books out there, but honestly, I don't read a lot of business books. I try to read more. Um, right now, I'm reading history, right? The American history books, for example, to brush up on my, uh, my history knowledge. But for me personally, what has been most effective, talk to a lot of people, talk to leaders, um, talk to employees, talk to people in other industries, ask what they're paying attention to, what they're thinking about, grab coffee with other people. That to me, I think is the best way that you can think about the future, plan for the future, spot trends before they happen. Jacob, your book is going to crush it. We're honored to be a part of launching it with you. It's Leading with Vulnerability, Unlock Your Greatest Superpower to Transform Yourself, Your Team, and Your Organization. Thanks for joining us and pouring in to all of our listeners around the world today. You're a class act. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity, uh, and I hope everybody enjoys the book. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership. <music>